Hello and welcome to Firefly Interview. My name is Dave. I'm Isaac. And in this edition of the podcast, we're going to be looking at the second episode of Firefly, The Train Job. Oh, yes. All right, Isaac, when was this episode originally aired as far as the 11 episodes that were aired? So this is the first one that was aired. The first episode. Which, as we discussed last week, uh, Serenity was shot to be the first one that was aired. So And written to be. So what you're going to see in this episode is kind of a lot of just almost like jerry-rigging to get this okay. episode to work as episode one. Yeah, in the commentary, Joss and Tim had stated that they had two days to write this episode and make it essentially the pilot, but it was still going to be episode two in the series, so that's why there's a lot of things that are just explained, and they're already still together, and the events of episode one have still happened. Right, and and honestly, watching this episode, I didn't feel like it was hugely out of place um but of course we're watching them in the order they were meant to be in so there's certainly some things that you're watching you go what that's uh unnecessary but when you're watching this episode as the pilot episode it's kind of necessary so interestingly um if you watch these episodes on netflix they air um like they did on on tv they have an intro to explain kind of the story that goes on After the Earth was used up, we found a new solar system and hundreds of new Earths were terraformed and colonized. The central planets formed the Alliance and decided all the planets had to join under their rule. There was some disagreement on that point. After the war, many of the independents who had fought and lost drifted to the edges of the system far from Alliance control. Out here, people struggled to get by with the most basic technologies. A ship would bring you work. A gun would help you keep it. A captain's goal was simple. Find a crew, find a job, keep flying. So they put that in um, as a way to start off the rest of the series, but essentially it started because of this episode and they needed a way to shove a bunch of story in your face in about a minute and a half. But mostly what he ends up doing is explaining the universe you're about to jump into and the fact that this is pretty much what happened. You get it. Let's go. So previously on wanted to take a minute here to ask you your opinion on this. Um, If you watch the first episode, it really doesn't give you the same information that this synopsis gives you. The the intro kind of tells you why the universe exists, right? You know, humans left Earth, started terraforming other planets. The outer rims are poor. They don't get a lot of supplies. Whereas the first episode really just introduced the characters which was all that was important to me. So, I what... think I think that they introduced the world a little smoother, though, um, by introducing the characters, and through the characters, you got to know the world. They did do that, I think, but I almost feel like the the storytelling from that introduction is unnecessary. Like, I don't really need an explanation as to why this universe is the way that it is. Um, I get that, but at the same time, like. If you're jumping into an episode of this show, you could fall in love with the characters easier than you could get what's going on in this universe in a and just like, a, oh, it's on. Maybe it's just for me. What I want is to kind of discover it myself. Like your audience isn't dumb. You don't need to explain everything to them. I mean, I understand. But that was partially a Fox's deal, too. So Fox is the reason that this was the pilot. Fox is the reason that it had to be written so quickly. Um, Fox is the reason this show got canceled. 
That's true. So maybe we can just chalk that up to Fox. This I don't. Is, I'm not saying that this it's is a bad. Fox decision. I don't think that it's a bad deal. I just kind of don't don't need it. I don't need that story. I don't need to know why we're here. This is the universe that we're set in, and I love it. So just accept it. Lay back and accept it. Yeah, I don't. I don't need an entire history book detailing, you know, how we got here. But anyway, that was just a point that I wanted to bring up. Now that we are on the pilot episode, but is episode two pilot? That's right. Um, so when was this episode originally aired? The last one was in December, this one. This one came out September 20th, back in 2002, which, by the way, is uh, 14 years ago. So Not the first, quite. I know, it's ridiculous. So the first episode aired in September, and the final episode aired in the series on television in December. That is a god-awful short run. It's just... Ugh. It's also pretty amazing that we can do two episodes of this show and cover the first and last episode aired. It is incredible, isn't it? And still do it out of order. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into episode two, The Train Job. We start our setting with a nice string music, a belly dancer working her way through a bar. She comes across a three at a table, puts a note into the backhand very slyly, and we see Jane, Mal, and Zoe playing Chinese checkers. That's a bold move. I live on the edge. What an interesting thing, too. You know, obviously we have the Chinese culture here in this in this universe, but they're just sitting there chilling out, playing Chinese checkers in a bar. Pretty quickly, we get into the idea that there's somebody at the bar. He's a big, brute-looking man, bald, bar fly type, and he's singing about Unification Day, or praising, just making noise about Unification Day. A glorious day for all the proud members of the Allied Planets. Unification Day! Yeah, yeah, yeah. The end of the scumbag independence, the dawn of a new galaxy. So this was interesting to me. Maybe you know a little bit more about this. Okay. But I kind of just assumed that all of the outer planets and moons were going to be pretty anti-alliance. Oh, man, no. Let's, let's think about this. Okay, so the idea of the independence... Mal and such is that they are essentially the South, so the South will rise again. There's a line where Mal, after this little bar scene, says, "I'm thinking we'll rise again," which is mind-boggling to think about. Like these are our heroes, but if we were to put that into the context that they're referencing, that's really fucked up. Yeah, but they also flip the roles because the Alliance is pretty fucked. The Alliance up. is essentially supposed to be the idea of the South winning, if the South were the overpowering bad guys, right? Essentially, if the South had won the war and taken over the North. As an entirely different entity, too. Like, if the North was the South and, t- and won. It's maybe, so Maybe weird. this isn't a good analogy. <laughs> it's where all. it came from. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't use that as the basis for the story. It's so weird to me. But yeah, okay, so as far as I can understand with the Outer Planets and the Unification Day love, um, yeah, there's a lot of people who, who believe in the in the Alliance. And that's a, a completely understandable thing because the Alliance is an all-overseeing power. And in this particular episode, we'll quickly find out that medicine is being transported from the Alliance. Now, they're not good about it, but they supply all of these planets... But like here in America or the government in general, it's not like it's a loving and wonderful, perfect thing. They're giving them food stamps, essentially, and help 
that isn't the most help. They're still struggling. Right. The thing we got to keep in mind is that the Alliance is essentially the government of the entire galaxy. So it and, is, it is their it, job to, to unify the planets and the moons and to take care of them in the way that a government should. But also the Alliance is corrupt in the way that most governments are. That's why it, it, you can quickly latch onto this. It, it feels like something you know already. He mentions, so Mal walks up to the bar after hearing this little spiel about Unification Day. And uh, he does mention that six years ago was when the Alliance took over. So we know that that's approximately how long it's been since all of this went down. Mal's managed to get his crew and his ship over the last six years. Well, except for Zoe. He knew her in the war. Right, so Zoe was his... Uh, well, she is his first mate. What was she in the war, though? Just under him in command? You're going to try to have me recite things from the military that I don't know? Well, yes. Good luck. <laughs> um, but we know that Inara has only been on the boat for, what, eight, eight months? months? Eight months. Eight months. She mentions that in this episode, actually. But yeah, it's been about six years, and that's how long Mal's managed to take to get all this together. And this episode also introduces us a bit more to their week-to-week jobs. Yes, which is so exciting. But before we get to that, let's talk about the bar window. Yeah, I wrote that down as well. So this is something that's fun. Um, Zoe and Mal start a fight in the bar because obviously they're independents and very anti-alliance. Jane doesn't care. He no, he didn't fight in the war. He doesn't care. He's he just didn't Jane. fight in the war. He wasn't on either, either side. He's the one who will wear a blue sun shirt. He's the one who's like, the alliance is the alliance, but I'm just a bad guy. Fuck it. So we see this fight about to break out. And then the next shot we get is just Mal flying through a window. A holographic window. Yes. And, and so I guess Joss had said that was his explanation of the show. He's like, the, the, the bar fight, the show is about the window. Which is just so great. But and it's I, pretty cheesy. It's it's very cheesy, but it's fun. And one of my favorite things also about this scene is we see Mal get thrown out. And then we see Zoe just like just fighting her way out like a boss. Oh, yeah. Zo- Zoe is a total badass every time. She takes no shit. She's like the best representation, representation of Joss Whedon's major feminism with like... Check this character out. She's she's just a badass person. It's uh, yeah, and you get that feeling. Like yeah, she's just cool. And then we see um, Jane fight his way out as well because you're like, oh, Jane he likes is to badass fight. too. Yeah, he just likes to fight, and he's part of this crew, so he's just gonna, uh, you know, roll along with it, go with the flow. I get to hit some faces and take me an ear. All right, so they get uh, cornered on the cliff. Wash jumps up behind him in serenity. They tell him they're gonna blow a crater in this little moon. Which Jane laughs because they didn't realize it had no turrets on it. It's just a transport <laughs> ship. So they proceed to the job. Uh, immediately we flash over into the infirmary where River flashes back to being brain probed in a couple of quick flashes. So this will start something really big that we never get answered in the series about River. And what happened to her at this school that Simon had mentioned. And she also mentions the... Name of the ship, the classification of the ship. Standard Radion Accelerator Core, class code 03-K64. Firefly. Mal comes in, says something, he leaves, as she says, Mal, bad, in the Latin. Which, such a brilliant uh, timing. The timing in that line is just great. Delivered perfectly. 
So, yeah, so apparently I didn't look up to make, see if that's true. I assume that it is. Mao means bad in Latin. So we still get the impression here of, like, River's character. She's incredibly mysterious, but she's just extraordinarily gifted. You can't even say smart because it's almost on the level of, like, a higher Insanity. level of intelligence. Yeah, it's it's insane to anybody who speaks to it because I can only imagine that, like, if I'm making things up, River's amount of intellect can't really be held in a human form. I'm not saying she's alien, but that's what it comes off as. Right. Although she essentially she was incredibly talented before, but she's now crazy because of what the alliance what they did, did to her. her. So here we get the same two by two hands of blue. Again, God, I wish it was answered more. But the good news is we did get these in the comics, which we will get to. Um, but yeah, that's the first mention of two by two hands in blue, hands of blue, which is terrifying in that moment. Only made more terrifying by the end of this episode. Yes. So, I actually wrote this down this way. We have Shepard and Mal conversing about exposition. There is so much that was obviously written to get you like, oh, we're passengers on this ship. I'm the captain. This is the crew. All right, we're going to the, the flight deck. Hey, wash the flight person of this ship. <laughs> Stuff like that. It wasn't bad. It was well written. It was a way to talk about things, but... Man, was that a lot of exposition. I can't blame them. They had to write it in like two days and were told by Fox to do this. And they were like, how are we going to fit all this in? But wow. Yeah. And and to give credit to the, the cast and crew of this show, it's not something that to me stood out as like painful or anything. And knowing everything I know and the amount of times I've seen it may be part of the reason that it popped out so feverishly. But this is often regarded as one of the like weaker episodes in the series. But weaker meaning written in two days and totally watchable, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, and still looks good 14 years later. So I think that it's fair to say, even though the train job is a little bit less uh, up to the standard as the rest of them, it's still an excellent, excellent episode. Yeah. Well, during all this exposition, Mal is constantly looking for Kaylee while they talk about the rest of the crew and ca- and um, passengers on the ship. We see Anara and Kaylee talking. Anara's brushing her hair. Mal comes in. You're holding my mechanic in thrall. And Kaylee, what the hell's going on in the engine room? Were there monkeys? Some terrifying space monkeys maybe got loose? Because we had a shot earlier of just wires ran all over the engine room. Just a, a complete mess in there. Which goes back to the compression coil that she had mentioned in episode one. Everything in this series that goes wrong with the ship is, at a certain point, going to come back to that compression coil that she mentioned in episode one. Episode one. She said if it goes bad, we'll be drifting. What'd she say? Drifting in space or something like that. They're just going to be stranded if it goes back. So she rewired it so that the compression coil uh, wouldn't fail them. They wouldn't be stuck in space. But she left a mess in there, and Mal's not happy about it. But let's talk about this for a second. Mal's line um, about space monkeys. Very fun, very cute, a lot of, lot of joy. I laughed. I wrote it down as a possible favorite quote. But that's not really the Mal we met in the first episode, is it? Well, Mal does have a sense of humor like that. You would like to think. He had a darker sense of humor, a lot of seriousness in the first episode, but what had happened is Fox also wanted them to make him a bit more lighthearted and not quite so tough and gruff of a man. So that's part of the reason he has a little bit more smiles, a little more uh, jokes that are kind of lighthearted in this whole episode. But just this episode. 
yeah, it, it, it blends a little better after this. It's kind of strange. It's strange to see an episode written in two days. And still be worth watching. Worth watching. All right. So after all of this, they proceed to the job where they meet Niska. Oh, Niska. What a great character. So that's what this episode gave us. That's why everybody's like, it's it's survivable because Niska is badass. So Niska is uh, just an older businessman, but clearly not in any sort of like reputable business. And he's got a pretty heavy accent um, of some descent that we can assume has no relation to the real world <laughs> because we're not sure what it is. So, so we get this this awesome scene where the dialogue back and forth is just brilliantly written. Yeah, and Niska is so terrifying with such a charisma of like pure dripping evil. Yeah, so essentially there's this talk about gossip and living up to said gossip and he shows Mal reputation 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 so he shows Mal what happens if um your gossip your reputation doesn't prove to be solid you see this man uh, he does not do the job (laughs) I show you what I do with him and now my reputation for you is fact is solid and he he tells what is what is his name is his crony like I'm gonna go with Kronk. You have seen Kronk. He loves to stand at the door to say boo. So Kronk, <laughs> it's not Kronk. It's not Kronk. No. <laughs> so Kronk opens the back door to reveal a man hanging from a chain by his legs, dead. Right. So basically, this is this entire scene. He's got this reputation for just being a terrible person, and then he says, "This is what happens if you don't." follow through on this job you die and now you know what happens in fact mal says i'm sure he's a very bad man my wife's nephew yes kept talking at dinner no so he said i'm gonna get a mouthful from my wife at dinner yes that's it that's it he doesn't care he doesn't care at all so their their job that is given to them is they have to steal an alliance package off of a train on its way to Paradiso. They're going to fly the Serenity over it, meet Kronk at another location, and they're going to drop off these packages and move along. So Mal and Zoe board the train and the rest of the crew is on the ship getting ready to jump down and steal it. So something that I noticed at this point in the episode was... Um, we just watched an episode that was an hour and a half long. Essentially, we just watched a movie for episode one. And all of a sudden now we're crunched down to 42 minutes and the story moves so much quicker. Yeah, it's it's a really, that's something I noticed myself. And it's interesting because it's like an entire train heist movie in 40 minutes with sci-fi and western and a, and a miner's town all packed into one. Here you go, unwrap it and it's going to spring out at you. So basically, here's the plan. Mal and Zoe are on the train, um, and Kaylee and Jane are up in the ship. So Mal and Zoe are going to go back to the cargo bay, and Jane's going to drop down from the ship while Wash is piloting it right over top of the train. And then Kaylee's going to drop a hoist with Jane down into the train. Mal and Zoe and Jane are going to hook up all the cargo, and then they're all going to ride up into Firefly and sell off and take care of And that sounds perfect. So this actually is something that almost became a favorite quote. Right before they do all this, this is their plan. 
Up comes Simon talking to Kalu, who's getting the cargo bay doors ready as Wash is getting ready to pull up to the train. And he's like, So, what are we doing? Oh, crime. Crime? Good. Okay, crime. <laughs> just such a fantastic quote. And Kaylee's um, delivery of it is just incredible, too, because Kaylee's character is just, she's, she's very cute, and she just loves people, loves talking to people, loves being around, loves hanging out. So the delivery really is just incredible. Simon. She really likes Simon. And she really See, likes Mal, too. She is just almost like a father, like he said last yeah. week. So he asks if they've done it before. And uh, no, they haven't, but I'm sure I'll be fine. Yeah. So Jane comes up and starts throwing his, his balls around about not about the captain not being on board, so he's in charge. Which, which by the way, is that, that's not true, right? Not even a little bit. He just makes it up. All of a sudden, he's in charge. Okay, so this is fantastic. Keep that in mind for later, later in the episode. Um, directly after this, we get Inara and Shepard talking about exposition. So let's move along. Jane and Kaylee begin to talk about River for a moment and about how he... Jane says that Mal thinks... Or Mal is definitely thinking about turning him in. Which, knowing the character of Mal which is basically just incredible loyalty to his crew. We set that up in episode one. And now Simon is a part of his crew. And now Simon's part of his crew, and then kind of by extension, that makes River part of the crew. Not really, but if Simon's part of the crew, Simon's protection over River is probably as good or better than Mal's over his crew. Mal made the offer with one thing, knowing that his sister would be there. That was what it would be. Right. So understanding Mal's character... I think that this gives us actually insight into Jane more than anything because he believes that the captain's more like him, but the captain's yeah. not. Um, all right, so we jump into the train. Mal and Zoe make it in. They're going from car to car, and they come upon an Alliance car. Literally a car full of Alliance. There's only Alliance soldiers in here, and this is one of my favorite scenes from the entire episode where he just, him and Zoe look at the Alliance and he just goes... Hi. And then cut. <laughs> commercial it, break. Commercial break, which is cool because it gives you that suspense. Well, when they come back, a family walks through, so they pass by at the same time, and they just go through the car. They make it to the final car, um, and when all of a sudden an Alliance soldier hears a noise because he's back visiting just one other person further back, he goes to check it out. Meanwhile, Jane has dropped down into the car. They're sending the loot up. Jane gets shot. Mal and Zoe say, go, go, go. They stay behind. Mal beats the shit out of the Alliance soldier, and boom, we get back onto the ship. Oh, the others! God, I shot my goddamn leg! Uh, are they still on the train? Are they gonna be okay? Meanwhile, Mal and Zoe get off as passengers at Paradiso. Right, so keep in mind at this point that nobody saw Mal and Zoe. They don't know, the Alliance doesn't know uh, that it was them who stole the cargo. What they quickly overhear about the cargo is that they've stolen medicine. Quiet them down! Medicine, sir. All of the supplies. You stole the guy around medicine? Just the medicine. And then the sheriff just goes, oh, God help us all. Right. Which was an alliance sent um, medicine for the entire town. We cut to the central alliance, basically hub, like a military hub of the Alliance. And it's kind of cool when we get these scenes. They're really few and far between for the most part in the series. We don't see a ton of Alliance stuff. We don't. And it's an interesting setup because it's a giant ship floating around in space. City. city, It's a militarized city ship. Right. So is this like the headquarters of the Alliance? 
I think there's multiple versions all over throughout the okay. galaxy. So it's mine. just kind yeah. of a, a a home base. Yeah, for the alliance. Okay. What's the fuss? All network alert. Cargo theft. Medical shipment lifted off a train in the Georgia system en route to Paradiso. Six crates of Pascal and D. Right. I'll get you a tidy fortune in the black market. Tag it received. Bounce it back. Locals can deal with it. We don't give a shit. Yep, and then she says there's some aligned soldiers, and he says pull them out. They're yeah, not just, there to deal with Well, what are they stuff. doing? Send them back. Yeah, that's we're not wasting our time or money on this. So on Serenity, the crew starts discussing what to do. Jane's in the infirmary. Uh, you see? Everybody wins. Ah! Doc, I need a pop to quiet this pain song. Ah! So it's talking about who is in charge. So, right, again, made up yeah, entirely. Right, yeah, that's just Jane's head. So Simon, um, Simon gives him something for the pain, and we jump back down onto Paradiso, where the couple uh, of Zoe and Mal are going to start talking about how they're together to fool the sheriff. Right, so we get Mal, Mal's line, he just goes, Whatever happens, remember, I love you. Sir? Because you're my wife. So this is the story. They're they're um, just recently married and they're traveling to Paradiso. Uh, so the sheriff pulls them aside because he's interrogating everybody there in the room to find out what happened to this cargo. Yeah. Um, and quickly after that, we cut back and we see uh, Jane talking about how Niska is going to get them. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the fucking cargo and we're going to leave these guys behind. And they all disagree. But that's when Shepard goes... This Adlai Niska you're talking about? Right, so we get a little bit more of kind of a look into Shepard's character. Jane says, how do you know a name like that? Yeah, what's a Shepard got any business knowing a name like that? So, again, just more mystery stacked onto Shepard that we just we don't have any answers. We have more questions, no answers about Shepard's past whatsoever, but there's clearly something there. Well, we're not going to get to know it today because we cut back to see the sheriff explaining that the mine has given almost everybody, he says that everybody will get it, a degenerative bone disease. Right. So essentially, uh, this moon is a mining planet. It is a moon, right? This one? Or is this one a planet? Oh, God. Good question. Well, it was one of the two, and it's a place where humans live. So essentially, every planet or moon that's terraformed has some sort of cork because it's not Earth. Um, and this one is there's a mixture of something going on with the mines and essentially miners, workers, people who never even go down to the mines will get this disease. Hell, I got it. I ain't ever set foot in a mine. So there is a treatment for it, but there's no cure for it. And the treatment is the medicine that was stolen. So after we see the two of Mal and Zoe, we obviously see that they kind of regret their decision. We jump back onto the ship where Jane runs up to the fucking... Oh, Jane. Jane runs up to the uh, main hold where are the main... What is the... What's the part that Wash sits in? Cockpit. The cockpit? The It's not the bridge, is it? Is that the bridge? Where Wash is. <laughs> this is, this is our, uh, our ship knowledge here. Our nautical nonsense knowledge. Turn uh, port to starboard. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Jane one runs up to Wash, where Wash is, up in the front of the ship, and he tells him that we are going, we're taking it, we're not getting fucked over by Niska. Do you want to know what the rotten chain of command is? It's chain I go be, go and get and beat you with until you learn who's in command here. And he starts to really see shit and get a little loopy. And yeah, I out. love this scene because he's he's just being Jane. He's being serious. He's being kind of an asshole, and then he just 
very slowly and very subtly just kind of devolves into this weird insanity and then just falls onto the and floor. Just passes out. And you're like, oh, that's what happened. So uh, pretty quickly, Simon explains that was him. Um, and that he hopes nobody's upset by that. He just didn't feel comfortable with, with Jane and Jane charge. in command, and everybody's like, eh, yeah, 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 yeah no, good, no. good choice. Yeah, not even mad, not a little <laughs> bit. Good job. Well, uh, so we find out that we actually they actually tried to take him down to the infirmary, but they only got him halfway down the stairs, and they were like, he's too heavy. Yeah, they just leave him on the stairs. <laughs> so they decide they they figure out a way to actually get Mal and Zoe, and they do this by sending in the most reputable person they have. What the hell? Don't you dare speak to me. Sheriff, I want this man bound by law at once. She just walks into this place with the sheriff and everybody watching him and just slaps Mel across the face and then just goes into the insults, just dives into them. And starts uh, accusing Zoe and Mal of running off together and that he had another two years left on his internment and they're going to have to add six months to this. And there's, you know, it's really fun because everybody starts staring and it's not about the fight. You'll have to pardon me. Don't think one of them's ever seen a registered companion before. I apologize for my manner. Not a bit. So obviously now they're in planet, not where but the companion, off. again, somewhere very culturally respectable, not where they go very often. But they're all known. Everybody knows what a companion is and appreciates them either for the right or the wrong reasons. Yeah. They know who they are and respect them for one reason or another. So Inara brings them back. And whenever they get back, Mal says, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take this. We're going to run it back. We're going to tell Niska... We're good. We're going to give him the money back. And so that's when Niska's crew actually shows up. You didn't make the rendezvous. Ran into a few complications. Yeah, so I wrote down here, the ogre. So that would be a better name than Kronk. Well, I'm just thinking of the <laughs> Emperor's New Groove or the Emperor's New School. Just Kronk. Kronk. What a great name, too, though. Kronk. I'm sure the guy had a name. Fuck it. I know that Niska said it. Oh, he did. I remember him saying it. I just didn't. Write it down. All right. So <laughs> Kronk shows up with his crew. So this is another crew. What's cool about this, though, is they're not the Western crew that Patience had from episode one. They're very, like, uh, very just gritty, kind of more Western mob boss crew. Almost like... Except for the main bad guy, baddie uh, henchman. He's tattoo-faced, just muscle maniac. Right. So it's just, it's just kind of this, this tough crew of cronies essentially and they come up and they cronkies cronkies <laughs> don't do that ever again so they just come up and they confront mal about the job why were you not at the rendezvous point mal tells them we can't take this job so you just relax we'll get you all the money niska gave us up front you return it to him and we'll call it even and there is no even obviously the crony is not good with this he tells him you entered an arrangement yeah, so... You don't back out. And then I actually wrote down here, um, and then a badass Western brawl ensues. They're, like, throwing chairs and shit at each other. Oh, yeah. But, the... like, it's not even chairs. It's just, like, a brutal beatdown with guns and shots, and, like, the, the girls are hiding, and it's fun because you see, if, like, one's in her dress and one's in, like, her, her uh, mechanic overalls, and when they're hiding, it just 
fits. It's amazing. This whole thing starts off because Kronk just takes the knife and chucks it at Mal. And hits him right just, in the shoulder. And Mal's just like, oh, God, rips it out. And they start firing at each other, beating the shit out of each other. Such an incredible scene. Mal just gets plowed by, by the ogre right in his face. We get it's a black two guy. great brawls, hand-to-hand -hand brawls in this episode, the beginning and the end. Yes, we do. Um, so after this, they tie him up. They get him all situated. Right. And the Malin's crew wins the fight. The crew obviously. wins the fight. Right. I mean, our crew. Right. And they take care of everybody. They tie him up. Mal and Zoe go to return the medicine on the little cart that we often see Wash driving with everything. And that's when the sheriff um, confronts them. He hears that there was a ship down the way. They were obviously looking and they catch him on the trail. Mal had, uh, before encountering them, had said that they were going to drop it off on the outskirts of town and call the sheriff when they were in way, way <laughs> orbit. Deep space. Deep, deep, deep space. space. And then we just hear the sheriff go, why not tell him in person? But a man learns all the details of a situation like ours. Well, then he has a choice. I don't believe he does. Yeah, so essentially what happens here is the sheriff says, you know, times are hard. Money's hard to get, and if a man's given a job, he might not look too hard at what the details of that job are. But once he learns the details of a situation like ours, then he has a choice. So essentially, Mao's saying there was no choice. This is he's what still, had to be done. He may be a criminal, but that doesn't mean he's not going to do the right thing. Right. Um, well, we start to wrap up the episode as Mal gets back to the ship with Zoe. So Mal and Zoe are out there. They sit down main crony. And they walk him through the plan. Now, this is all the money Niska gave us in advance. You bring it back to him, tell him the job didn't work out. We're not thieves. But we are thieves. The point is, we're not taking what's his. Now, we'll stay out of his way as best we can from here on in. You explain that's best for everyone, okay? He says, keep your money. I'm going to find you and I will kill you. So Mal kicks him directly into the Serenity's turbines. Just directly. He just kicks him. He dies. Done and done. They set down the next guy. He starts to say the same speech. Now this is all the money Niska oh, gave did. us in advance. Oh, good. Let's speak for everyone. I'm right there with you. Um, we cut to Simon sewing up Mal. And we float over to see River chanting. To fight you. And oh, boo. Yes. Then we finally cut to... A really great suspenseful shot because there's really nothing too scary, but the way it's played is terrifying. Uh, where we're on the Alliance ship, the guy comes up and he's like, we're here about some stolen goods. And he's like, oh, the medicine? I heard it was returned. And the guy says, we wouldn't have flown over 500 miles? or It wouldn't have been 500 because that would not be enough in space. That wouldn't be enough. 500,000? It, it was like a like million or billion or something. I oh, thought. something insane. Okay. Maybe not. We didn't fly 86 million miles to track down a box of Band-Aids, Colonel. But but it was a long, long... The point is they made a big journey. And it wasn't for fucking medicine. It wasn't and they for crazy slide medicine. a photo over of Rivers exposing their blue hands. Yes. Cut! And that's the end of the episode. That is the end of episode two, The Train Job. One of the lesser episodes of the overall series, but there's a lot of fun in it. It's definitely more fun than it is extremely story-driven, but it does introduce our two-by-two two Hands of Blue crew. River gets a little more screen time. Um, we get to see Simon interact with Kaylee some. Jane makes some big old strides in this episode. Shepard has nothing but questions like the show Lost. Just, mmm. Yes, but at least Lost 
had, or at least Firefly had an excuse for not answering the questions. Yeah, about they should have canceled Lost. Then it would have been like, well, we never got to tell our story. That's why it didn't suck, or that's why it would have sucked. So there's a few things that I noted about this song, this episode. First of all, I don't think we talked about the theme song last week. No, and I mean, I guess we could do an entire episode on the theme song, but it would mostly be us gushing over how much we love it, about how it's one of the greatest themes ever put to television, about how it tells a story in and, and, and just a minute. So um, there was a fan album. That was a fan album, was it not? Songs from the Black, I think is what it was called. Yeah, um, I want to say it was Songs from the Black or the verse. And I just want to say um, we'll look that up and we'll we'll put it on the website. Um Check it out if you haven't. It's great. It's fan It's fan songs based on Firefly. It's That's, awesome. And that all came from uh, actually something that I, we should recommend overall. If, you've, if you're listening to this, then you've probably heard of this Firefly podcast, but maybe not. It's a podcast called The Signal, which shows just how much love can go into Firefly, seeing as this started when Serenity was coming out as a guerrilla uh, campaign to get people to go see it. They're currently on season 10 of The Signal. Season Season 10. 10. They've produced some incredible stuff, some stuff that I've definitely pulled from to recognize all of the motifs and interesting things in Firefly. It's an excellent podcast that I highly recommend. You can find that at serenityfirefly.com or signalpodcast.com. So the other thing that I noted um, about this episode that I wanted to point out Whenever there's a scene where Mal, I think it's Mal, is unscrewing something, and the screws don't have heads. I know, I noticed that too. The drill they're using is like all sound effects. Okay, so yeah. So right. essentially, the future doesn't have screw heads, and the drill just works on all of them. No just more shove stripping. Shove it up there, and you. This this is the best technological advancement in the show. <laughs> that's what, and that's what I want to take home. All right, everybody, thank you for listening. No, <laughs> no, it was. I noticed that too, but maybe that's because we do things like that quite a bit. So um, let me ask you a question. All right, I'm here anyway. Out of all of the amazing dialogue in this episode, oh boy, what was your favorite piece? So it came down to two, and we just discussed one, which is the exchange with the sheriff. So technically, my favorite quote from that moment would have been Mal saying, I don't believe he does. An amazing quote, amazing character building. But another the problem, Mal quote. The problem with that quote is it's not. Really just one quote. It's two people, right? Which is... It's a dialogue. It's a dialogue. So what I did go with was my second choice, because it's an actual quote from Jane. On the opposite end of the episode, in the very beginning, Jane says, Hey, I didn't fight no war. Best of luck, though. That is a fantastic part. That That one definitely had me laughing the most in this episode, because it is the most true to the character as far as humor goes. Mal's lines were fun. Monkey line was fun, all of that. But Jane's was so true to the character. Yes, it was. And he gives a little toast at the end. So let me ask you a question. Yes, what's your question? I'm pretty sure you won't be able to guess this. Okay. So, what was your favorite quote? Oh, that was my second guess. Oh, <laughs> What was your first guess? Don't worry about it. Oh, okay. Um, so, I had a similar issue. Um, one of my favorite my favorite quotes was something that I wish I had written down for reasons that I would have remembered it if I had. So what I'm going to do is just jump to the quote that I did write down. And it it does have the same issue where it is a long piece of dialogue, but it's only Jane. That's interesting um, that we both have Jane quotes this week. Last week, they were both Mal quotes. 
Uh, so essentially, it's just the part where Jane says, do you know what the chain of command is? It's a chain I go get and beat you with till you understand who's in rut and command here. And we're finishing this deal. And then maybe, maybe we'll come back for those morons. Got themselves caught. You can't change that by getting all bendy. All what? Got the, the light from the console to keep you, lift you up. Oh, they shine like little angels. So it's a very, very, very long quote, but it's incredible because of the way that at first we just get, you know, just so much Jane. And then he just starts devolving. The devolving, breakdown and of like, it all. What? This is not Jane. And then he just passes out and collapses. So just that bit of dialogue was definitely my favorite. All right. Well, I mean, I, I would have quoted it earlier on, but you're right. It's very long. It is very long. Do you have the entire thing there? I'll read it. No, 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 no. I'm pretty sure that they would have much rather listened to you you not read it and just hear it. I don't think you're right about that. So, um... so I'm going to go ahead and read it. Ahem. Uh, no, everybody, before this happens, thank you for listening to Firefly Interview. If you want to send us any questions, comments, thoughts, or ideas, you can send those to fireflyinterview at gmail.com. If you want to visit us on the web, go to daveandisaac.com, where we will be updating frequently with upcoming projects, ideas, and anything old. So please, Isaac, you have anything to add? I've got nothing this time. Wow. That's what you had the rest of the episode. Thank you for listening, everybody. Sayonara. Adios. There's no place I can be since I found serenity. But you can't take the sky from me.